Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. True love waits, man. What's there to say? I think <laughs> it's, the, it's, it's, yeah. it's the spirit. It's, I don't know. It, to me, it's the perfect song to end this movie in and what it's about and using it in that way. And uh, first moment I heard it on Moonshine Pool, I just started crying. And it's yeah. been one of the most <laughs> beautiful. I, I remember, too, actually, um, I was in L.A., I think, for like a meeting to meet uh, Joel Edgerton. For It was the first time I was meeting him, trying to get him in my movie. And that album came on, and I was just like crying like a baby walking around <laughs> L.A. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> everyone and welcome to episode number 12 of the fourth wall i am your host griffin schiller and this is the show where we break down the fourth wall of the film industry as we get an inside look through our conversations with industry professionals ranging from directors actors you name it this show is of course part of the playlist podcast network where you can find our weekly film discourse show discussing the latest releases along with the rest of our show catalog such as be real indie be much more whatever your fix is we got you covered over there. Today's episode is a very special one, and I know I say that literally every episode, but I truly believe it this time around, and this one actually might be my favorite conversation that I've had thus far. I had the privilege to sit down and talk with the writer and director of the new film Waves, Mr. Trey Edward Schultz. For those of you who don't know, I have have been singing the praises of this damn movie ever since I saw it at the Toronto International Film Festival. It's been one that really stuck with me, struck a chord with me. I think it's masterfully directed, tells a very compelling and poignant story of family and love, and I think there's a lot of things packed into this film that is going to resonate with people. It certainly resonated with me, and that's one of my favorite parts about it, is that it doesn't matter who you are, I feel that there is some piece of this film that you'll be able to latch onto, which makes it a, a very special movie in my mind. And another thing that really sets it apart from other films I've seen this year is how personal of a story it is to the filmmaker who made it. And during this conversation, it became very clear that Trey Edward Schultz is all over this thing, every ounce of him, he poured his entire soul, his entire being into this particular project. It's been one that's been on his mind ever since high school, which is insane. He may not have had the full idea fleshed out, but the concept still originated then. And during this conversation, listening to him talk about how it evolved over the years, how it evolved when he met Kelvin Harrison Jr. on It Comes at Night and how their friendship was integral in making this film what it is today, uh, talking to him about the different camera techniques and the use of color 
it, and especially that incredible soundtrack, which if you've seen the film, you know that this movie boasts one of the best soundtracks in recent memory and most certainly of the year. Betray as a filmmaker is someone that I have really admired because I don't think any filmmaker his age has really been able to come into their own as confidently and as quickly as he has. Waves is only his third feature film, and with it, it feels like the product of a filmmaker in complete control and mastery of their craft. Another reason why I think this film is so effective. But watching Trey's journey over the years has really been something special, and being able to talk to him about that journey and his thematic exploration of family and how it pertains to his life made this conversation even more interesting. On top of that, he is legitimately the nicest person ever, and I could not have asked for a better interview. But enough chit-chat, let's get into this thing. Without further ado, here is my conversation with director Trey Edward Schultz. Because of how just deeply emotional it is, how has the reception in general really just... It's been, I, I have to imagine, it's been overwhelmingly positive. Yes. Right? Yeah. Uh, overall, yes. I mean, of course, not everyone's going to love it. And the, and you can tell when people just don't jive as much. But over, but overall, um, it's been very positive And you can feel, you can just feel the emotion and the passion when you talk to people. It's the best feeling. Yeah, well, that, I mean, that was the thing to me. Because uh, I, I saw this film originally at, at TIFF. And I've seen it, like, yeah. twice since then. Oh, but, amazing. Uh, which, I, I love it. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Yeah. The biggest fan. So, uh, when I... Yeah, when I initially saw it at TIFF, because I, I hadn't seen the trailer beforehand, I, I, I knew absolutely nothing about it other than your, your previous work, and then I went in and saw it, and it was just this, I was completely transfixed, it was, I was connecting with things that, like, I didn't know I could connect with, yeah. and, like, by the end of it, I'm just... I didn't want to watch anything else for the rest of the day just That's because amazing. <laughs> it was amazing. Like, yeah, you know, but it just has that sort of that sort of effect, I guess. And you know, the the family kind of through line that is through that film is something that I've noticed uh, like across your work in general. And yeah. uh, could you talk a bit about that? Is that something that just inherently seeps its way in there or it does it's just an it's really organic every time um it's funny too because when i started with this movie i was thinking more i guess like the forefront of my mind were um the couples on either half you know the lovers and that was new for me kind of like all of my movies have family and conflict but not that yeah um so that was at the forefront but then as i made it i was like it's just it's still another movie about family yeah right (laughs) (laughs) well but that but that is the interesting angle to this are are the 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 two relationships and i read a lot i i think i was watching an interview with with sterling where he said that you took a lot of it from your own relationship with your is your fiance or your wife or uh still girlfriend sorry still girlfriend Uh, okay yes if we bring that up (laughs) (laughs) that's fair no that's totally fair but um so when you're putting something like that in there obviously a lot of it's going to be fictionalized but it was such a deeply personal film that I, I could only imagine it came from a, like personal experiences. So, wh- how much of it was 
I, I guess, like, which parts were based off of or, or loosely based off of your own experiences? A lot of stuff. Um, I mean, starting with uh, the couples, the kids on each half are yeah. very much inspired by my girlfriend and I at our highs and lows. Okay. Um, that being said, there's also, like, stuff seeps in your subconscious, like some uh, Ty and Lexus's uh, fights and altercations are inspired by stuff I saw between my parents as kids. But then, like... Uh, almost like that comes out from like real stuff I went through and then it clashes together. Um, I mean, I still have the scars on my shoulder from tearing my shoulder from wrestling. So that was an um, actual thing that happened to you. Same exact thing. Oh my and, God. And even the words, that's how, I mean, that's probably not exactly what he said, but that's how I remember it. <sighs> and my same kind of response to that. And, um, uh, you know, uh, I destroyed my room in anger as a kid. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, everything else, uh, I live in Florida. I love it. We shot at our favorite places. Um, uh, everything in Missouri at the end of the movie is straight up autobiography recreated, uh, when my dad passed away and I was only there cause my girlfriend pushed me to go to Missouri and see him. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, it, and it goes on and on, uh, <laughs> Like, even inspiration for the huge uh, scene with uh, father and daughter where they connect is, like, inspired by a mo- moment my stepdad broke down to me. And all this stuff, basically, is very yeah. tightly wound and seeped into everything. Um, you know, even the way the road trip is, like, it's inspired by these real road trips we had. And then I ended up shooting all the B-roll with my girlfriend solo. And we took a real oh road trip God. to Missouri. Yeah. And, uh, the cat in the movie is mine. <laughs> <laughs> So, this is, so you are literally all over this thing. That's basically well, that's incredible. I mean, ha, the fact that you're able to do such a personal film like this, like at what you're you're like 30, 31 or just turned thirty one. Thirty one. Well, old man. Now. Yeah. <laughs> but but like young, relatively in filmmaking here. So like, what what do you think pushed you to to like do such a personal film at such a young age? It's a good question. I think, I mean, everything I made has been personal. Right. Um, this just probably going to the forefront, at, at least uh, myself the most personal. Because, yeah. like, the, my first movie I made with my family at my mom's house. Uh, but it was inspired by, like, other relatives and loved ones we've lost. So, um I think I think one, I think it was, this has been brewing in the back burner forever. This was always, like... The movie that this is all these are all kind of leading to, you yeah, know. So yeah. like I'd always be thinking about it in different ways it could go, and um, yeah. Then I think things happened in my life where like it clicked into place. I think meeting Kelvin was really huge. Yeah, uh, yeah. I do want to talk a little bit about that, but oh, you continue. But I do want to come back to that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, it, meeting him on the last movie, and then this everything for this clicked into place after I met him. I guess in that yeah. collaboration and. Um, uh, yeah, it was just all that kind of came together. I think also I was in a, uh, the way my last movie re- was received. Um, I mean, I shouldn't be griping. It did good. But like if you would scroll Twitter and stuff, I would just get depressed. Yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> how do you like how do you how are you able to block all of that out? Because it's it's so loud, you yeah, know, and totally. I have to imagine, especially as someone up and coming in this whole thing, it, it can be discouraging at times if, if stuff isn't received well you know it's a lot it's a lot in it I mean you also it depends on personalities for myself I always see the negative more like with reviews yeah. or Twitter feeds or whatever so I'll be reading that and it's just like it's all swirling it's like negativity swirling around in your mind it's like this thing you put everything you have into all these people hate yeah so it's not a good feeling <laughs> and I was depressed for a minute but I do think instead of I kind of like pushed through that and then started writing this and I think that other things and like I was saying before it all kind of 
drove together to like help this click and come out. Yeah, for sure. Well, if we're being honest, I don't think the issue with the reception of it comes at night was because of the quality of the film. Thank I think you, it was you. a little bit to do with the marketing. Totally. You watch and it's really this other sort of another transportative experience. Thank so you, it's man. like, yeah, it's a great film. But um, I, yeah, going back to your collaboration with Kelvin, because I, I know he man. was very integral in this project as well. Um, what sort of ideas did he bring to the table and how, when he got involved, how did the project really change from there? Yeah. Um, so we met when we first met on my last movie, it was traditional. He auditioned, he got the role, uh, and then we just loved each other and we got really close. And I remember then, even then the, you know, Frank Ocean's blonde and uh, endless had just come out and Uh we were like listening to that nonstop. And I was talking about this movie I wanted to make, but it wasn't. You know, it wasn't Waves yet. It didn't have a title. It didn't have character names. It had the broad strokes of the story. And I started telling Kelvin, and he gravitated towards the brother immediately. Mm. Um, So, yeah, that was just kind of... It would be a thing we'd talk about. And then once we got to the other side of all uh, It Comes at Night stuff... um, we were having sort of these like mini therapy ses- sessions while I was ri- starting to write stuff. And it was like, um, whether it's text message or phone calls talking about uh, our experiences at that age, you yeah, know, differences, yeah. commonalities, um, uh, dynamics with his family, you know, um, uh, you know, what it's like to be black, like all that good stuff. And yeah. like, so that all went into it, like a good example, like, um, the, the, I was in wrestling, but for Calvin, it was music, you know? So mm-hmm. he was pushed even harder than I was to be like the best in music. Um, so it started with the wrestling and the stuff I knew, but then the specificity of like the dynamic with the father would come so much, uh, from inspiration from Kel's dad. I don't, I don't want to talk to how much he no, can no, say yeah, that. For sure. but, yeah, that's, yeah. Um, it, it, that's like one example of many of like getting to the like authenticity of, of I think Ty and this family, um, and in that collaboration and it would just continue to, to build out from there. Once other actors came on and everything, it felt yeah. like everything was constantly evolving. It was amazing. Yeah. Well that, that and that was the one of the, one of the things that stuck out to me was how, um, I, I I guess how like authentic the the um the pressures of like uh like like African American perfection, black excellence, that whole stuff came across. And I I would have to imagine that came from from him and his upbringing and stuff. All Kel, like all Kel yeah. and his upbringing and that dynamic. And then of course, like it it goes like it goes bigger once Sterling comes on and yeah. we talk about stuff and play with scenes and uh, whether it's just changing language in a scene or um. Or just like talking about a scene, and I'll take a subtle new approach to it, or something. Yeah. So yeah, yeah it's all all him. You know? Yeah, for sure. Um, I do want to touch on the music because it's it's such an integral part of this film. Um, I mean, there were there were like rumors that this thing was going to be in a musical, and I'm like, yeah. where did that even come from? Because I know like it was like it's a movie with music, but it is very much not a musical. So I'm yeah. like. That makes no sense. But um, <laughs> anyways, so I want to talk about like uh, curating the soundtrack. Yeah. Um, where where did you pick some of these songs? How did that process go? Yeah. Um, and specifically, I, I want to touch on the 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 perfect use of True Love Waits at the end. Yes. Dude. My man. That, I mean, it was just like, I mean, I, you put Radiohead in anything and I'm going to love it. But like it, it, was, <laughs> it was just the absolute perfect touch at the end of that thing. Thank you, brother. Yeah. Uh, that was the goal. So that's good. <laughs> Um, well, uh, you know, I think going back to like a decade ago or what, cause I first had, 
ideas for this movie when I was literally in high school and loving movies like Boogie Nights and Days to Confused and Goodfellas and sort of soundtrack films, yeah, you know, and yeah. American Graffiti. And so at first it was just teens and music. Uh, but I did, I had no idea what the story was. It would just be, I was, you know, I was also obsessed with music in high school. That was mm. probably the most music hungry time for me. It was bigger than film for me. It got me through a lot of things. Um, so that's where all this started. And that's always been in part of the brewing process is every, so like, even as new albums are coming out and new songs over a decade, I'm like, oh, maybe this could be in that movie one day. And mm-hmm. like, so there was like a huge, massive playlist of possible things. But then um, I'm trying to think, I think in the, once I actually started writing, that's when it really started getting organized with um, which specific tracks uh, that uh, felt honest to these characters in their world and with the trajectory of the story to where you could separate in a in a mixtape form and a story is being told from song to song mm-hmm. that's the same story of the film so um there was all of that you know and and to, even so far do we embedded the music in the script so like when anyone read it you mm-hmm. could press play or pause on music cues it was really unorthodox in the whole script in the sense there were big fonts small fonts colors so uh, it's like the, the script was basically as emotional as like what you're getting from the film that yeah. was the goal yeah okay. the goal was to like capture the spirit of the movie as much and in, in script form so people creatively knew what they were coming on to and just practically like this is the movie we're gonna make no confusion you know yeah um and then it just went on and on and it was sort of about uh yeah just like uh you know for for me too at that age music everything was new it didn't just have to be what was on the radio like two years or a year old was was new if i was just hearing it five years ten years anything so that was another fun creative liberty i felt like uh, as long as, cause they're all song, they're all my favorite songs. I love all of them mm-hmm. and I just wanted to use them well, you know? So I think that's also why we got very blessed and got them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, and then true love waits, man. What's there to say? I think <laughs> it's the, it's, it's, yeah. it's the spirit. It's, I don't know. It, to me, it's the perfect song to end this movie in and what it's about and using it in that way. And, uh, first moment I heard it on Moonshine Pool I just started crying and it's been one of the most <laughs> beautiful I, I remember too actually um, I was in LA I think for like a meeting to meet uh, Joel Edgerton for it was the first time I was meeting him trying to get him in my movie and that album came on and I was just like crying like a baby walking around LA <laughs> <laughs> damn no, yeah. that's awesome well I think I think what I love about that just that story and really just like you and how it comes across in your work is like you're you're a very passionate person. You can definitely sense that in your work. But I guess when, you know, just like kind of talking to you in general, you wouldn't, it's not necessarily something you just like throw out there. It's yeah. like you kind of internalize it, which I personally can relate to because I'm very similar. But um, I want to talk a little bit about some of the uh, the filmmaking aspects because it, it, it's just the, the, the way that you craft your films is so distinct. Thank um, you. And... I mean, the, the changing of the aspect ratios that like signify like closing in on him and like the uh, the orbiting shots that are like him spiraling out of control. I mean, like where does all this come from in terms of just like signature filmmaking traits? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think honestly, it's just been kind of building up uh, for a while. You know, I yeah. think a lot of it really started with um uh, with uh, my first film, Cresha. Yeah. Cause, and this is much more, I think, Drew and I talked about this a lot too, like Nick Comes at Night was its own film grammar. It was more subtle and objective in a lot of ways and less subjective and expressionistic. So uh, this was more in the vein of Cresha in the sense of like, 
an immersive subjective experience to the main protagonist, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. and feeling it could be expressionist. It didn't always have to be naturalistic. It's whatever felt like spiritually truthful to the character where their head is. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of that, I mean, it goes back to when I was working on Terry Malick movies at a young age and like, yeah, I, that's, I had, <laughs> that has to be something that, that probably stuck with you. Yeah, definitely, man. And he, I mean, I was like working for my hero and I had an epiphany like <laughs> this sounds so obvious but like I remember you know I was young and still figuring stuff out but I was like only he can do what he's doing right. like he's figured out his own singular filmmaking you know what I mean and to try to copy it and do the same thing you'd be a fool right. so I have to figure out how what I if I have anything to add to that or bring to my own so that was back when I was working on that and making a lot of bad short films um it was like a process of trying to find that. And then Carisha felt like stuff first started clicking like, oh, I think this is me. Mm-hmm. And then people responded for the first time. So um, I'm not sure. I mean, it, it feels like that stuff's just all been building up and this movie's been building up. And, you know, for this movie, uh, it's a lot. It's a lot of highs and lows and everything in between. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it just felt it felt it also felt kind of really going for it with the film grammar felt um, emotionally honest to what it feels like at that age. Right. I thought, you know, like you're not a kid, you're not an adult and you feel everything. Yeah. So whether that's like the camera spinning in the car with Ty and Alexa, cause they're, you know, they're wild and free and at the peak of their love and their love's like a bottle of fire. Um, that's like feels emotionally honest there or yeah. whether it's like once we've changed to one, three, three, um, and Emily's taking over the story and she's sort of engulfed in grief and, um, alienated where in shallow focus, static one, three, three, um, isolating her from her environment, completely opposite approach. So it's all, uh, it's all just meant to, uh, uh, bring you closer to the, whichever main character is your character first, that's Tyler, then that's Emily and only feel what they feel and hear what they hear and see what they hear until sort of key moments at the end of each of their journeys where it spirals out and you see how it's affected everyone else or where everyone else is in the story at that time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, and the, the other thing that was so distinct about the two halves in particular was, was just the emphasis on color. Like the first half was really, there's a lot of blues and reds. And then it was like, as stuff starts to heat up, the colors get deeper and become more distinct. Um, and then the second half, uh, what is it? It was like purples and greens, right? A little bit. And so like, so could you you talk a little bit about the, the use of color in this? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we, um, color too. It was, it was interesting because we had a lot of leeway to do a lot of stuff, but at the same time, it was like an epic indie movie in the sense of like, uh, we also got blessed with a lot of things, you know, because it's all practical locations. But then we could do things like we could repaint the kids' rooms um, and have intention behind that just right there. Like Ty's, Ty's room is blue, Emily's is green. Um, and the kids picked their... We had like a set of our favorite colors and the kids picked the colors of their room and help us build their rooms because rooms are so huge at that age. Yeah. But... Um, yeah, and then we, you know, we talk. We Drew and I shot list everything with production designers. We talk about palette and everything. Um, so we kind of have all that intention behind everything, and then try to grasp onto it for what it's like the universe is telling us and guiding us to, you know, whether yeah, that's yeah. The, the colors of the school or um, which parts of the school we use when, like for. 
So that's like a real school. We don't have the money to change anything, um, but we use a different palette for Tyler's half of this because this was just a blessing. This school had different color palettes at different parts. Oh, wow. And we use yeah. a different palette for Ty's half of the story and then a different palette for Emily's half of the story. And um, it's just about trying, again, just feeling trying to get you honest to the character's head state you know yeah and what journey where they are yeah yeah no it was just that I, that was so profound and then like also you know, it, you'd have those occasional like cuts to black and then the colors would just be morphing in and out and it was those, just those two well it was funny even even those like sort of color interludes yeah uh those were in the script um oh my god <laughs> well, so, okay so how much of this was like a hundred percent like documented on paper and how much did you kind of have to like improvise i'd say a lot was do- it was documented on paper and we all had something we knew and believed in but we're ready to throw it away on a whim if, right to be inspired and that's what I've noticed too, like whether it's with the actors or with True and my team, my crew and my team, it's like we, as much as we, when we know it so much, it's like a second skin, then you know it so well and you know how to make it better. Yeah. You know what's going to make it worse and you know what's going to make it better. So when you're doing movies like this, you know, you get a curveball every day, you have a crazy schedule. Uh, it's all nuts. So you kind of have to, I think the only way we were able to pull it off, especially, well, the actors were amazing. So that was easy. Like it was like you show, you shoot the first take and it's already great. Then you're just making it better. And then, uh, the relationship I have with Drew, my DP, we've been sort of evolving. I think how we work on every movie to where we could really, um, do this one right i guess yeah yeah no no for sure well i i mean i i have to imagine you you have to have so much trust in your actors for so many of these emotional scenes just because of how intense they are um and i i believe i read that you you got every single person that you wanted for this for the roles right like no one was like they were all your first choice yep that that does not happen very it's often. <laughs> so blessed, man. Yeah. So blessed. Yeah. Uh, and and it was another. It was like I just want because it started with Cal and we know and love each other. Yeah. So like, how can we build that energy up and make it grow to where it you know even if we're just meeting people the first time, you feel that inherent connection already. Not right. a, they're crazy talented, but then you feel a real connection with them, and um, we held true to that. And I just love everyone on this. No, movie. for sure. I it's I it's incredible but so for you as a filmmaker you're i mean your filmmaking journey this is i guess your your third feature right your yeah. full feature film what i mean where do you want to go from here where can well i mean i guess sky's <laughs> the limit but like something so personal it's just yeah. like what what is the next thing that is of interest uh, for you to tackle i don't know i have no <laughs> idea <laughs> i do feel it, i have that feeling that it's all been leading to this and now uh, did this proud of it but like I'm like a, a chapter's closed I'm a blank slate yeah, uh, yeah and it's always I've never had this feeling because it's like all right the next thing the next thing we gotta go and then now I'm just like I don't know I want to get the baby into the world as best as I can and then yeah. I don't know Who well knows, man? I, I mean it's just it's just such a heavy piece but it's so beautiful and moving and I, th- I think the best part about it is everyone can relate to it not regardless of their experience like yeah. there's I remember I, I when I, I saw with a few journalists and one of the things was like we walked out but different things like affected us um, coming amazing. out so I know like I had one friend who like had a, uh, a, a, a I guess tumultuous relationship with his father and yeah. then like having to reconcile once he was getting ready to pass it so he was really affected by the end of course um, I was like very much affected by some like the relationship stuff, uh, the specific, I, and then the scene between Taylor and Sterling on the the fishing thing. I mean, it's just scene. yeah, it's it's 
it's unbelievable. <laughs> it really is fantastic it's stuff. But man. um, no, thank you so much for your time, man. This thank is, you. Uh, this is beautiful film. It's my favorite of the year. So uh, hell yeah. yeah. Well, it was a pleasure talking, man. Yeah, Anytime I want to talk. Really appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there you have it, guys. That was my conversation with Trey Edward Schultz. Hopefully, you all enjoyed that as much as I enjoyed talking to Trey. It was actually kind of insane. The conversation started before we hit record, and it continued after uh, we stopped recording. It was just uh, one of those where we were really on the same page, and we were able to have uh, a great conversation and, and connect on that sort of level, which is always great when you can get that um out of uh out of a filmmaker it's very rare and i think it speaks to the kind of person that that trey is but the most important thing is if you live in la or you live in new york or you live in any city that waves is playing near you make sure to go seek it out it is a remarkable film it will move you to tears it'll leave you speechless it's by far my favorite film of the year and i'm going to continue gushing about it all day long. It comes out in select theaters this Friday, November 15th, and will be expanding to more theaters in the coming weeks. And if you've seen the film, be sure to let me know in the comments section below of wherever you're listening to this episode. I'm very curious to see how uh, it's received. I think a lot of you are going to love it, so I can't wait to engage in that conversation with you all. Be sure, as always, to subscribe to the Playlist Podcast Network for more episodes of The Fourth wall along with the rest of our diverse film centric catalog and if you want to go the extra mile and you want to help us out just a little bit and you feel so inclined it would be amazing if you left us a rating and a review as it greatly helps out the show helps us get noticed and it allows me to know what you're all loving and what you want to see more of. Now, I'm not entirely sure the order of release for these things, but I've got a lot of interviews in the pipeline that we just have to put out, but I believe my conversation with Willem Dafoe will be coming this weekend or early next week, and then the latter half of next week, I'll be having a very special episode, a great conversation with Mr. Sterling K. Brown, star of This Is Us, and of course, the star of Waves. You have those two conversations to look forward to in the near future, but until then, if you like me specifically, and you like what I have to say, you can give me a follow on Twitter, at Griff Schiller. All right, that's going to do it for this episode, and I'll catch you next time. Take care.